We're going to worship a little bit, and then we'll teach a little bit. Lighten us 
this evening, Father. Father, we thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place tonight. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. When I went to Ramah a long time ago, I remember Dr. Hagen's, Dr. Hagen saying this. I've heard him say it more than once. He said, the greatest need in the body of Christ today is the renewing of the mind. Boy, in, in this hour in which we live now, if, if we don't renew our minds to the Word of God, we're going to become flaky and a deceived people. Amen. So we're going to continue. I want to read to you from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God and that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemings of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. So tonight we're going to talk about some specific... I'm having trouble talking. Sometimes in the anointing I, I might... So I'll get there. It'll catch up. Amen. In fact, before I forget, stand up and tell them the revelation you had today that was so good when you were standing by the river. She goes and looks at the river a lot. So we go back to the river behind our house. And I went back and I, yes, the other day and I saw the most unusual thing I've ever watched back there. Sometimes we have green herons. They're about this big, and they have the long beak. And they'll sit on a limb, but they camouflage really well. Well, when I went back there, this green heron was standing. The water is only about that deep. In the edge of the water, and he has this long beak, and he's standing like this, just still. And I stood and watched him for probably ten minutes, and he didn't move one feather. And I couldn't, I thought, are my eyes deceiving me because... Maybe it's a limb or a... So I went in the house, got the binoculars to make sure, and I came out, and at this time, the blue jays were just going nuts, you know, like when they scare something away. And I thought, that's odd because this green heron isn't a threat to them. Well, then I looked, and maybe 10 yards to the east was a hawk. And I've never seen a hawk do this before. He was bathing, just like a robin will bathe in the bird bath, he was bathing in the river. But it did not make the, the, the blue jays very ha- happy. And I stood there and I watched and I watched and I watched. And that green heron never flinched, never moved. Then I walked away for a few minutes and I came back. And the hawk was gone. And the, the heron was just back to his business walking around. But when he saw that hawk, and there was a threat, he was so perfectly still. Had he been out drawing attention to himself and everything else, he'd have been a goner. But he was so still, and I think sometimes we get in a position in our lives and we go out and we just flounder around, and if we would just be so still and let God take care of us. He says, anytime, I'm going to review just 
just a couple minutes because this is this is so good and I think it's timely for us where we're at. He says, anytime you're on the front lines of battle and you're doing something significant for the kingdom of God, the enemy's attacks against your life will escalate. Even Jesus came under attack when he was preparing to cast a legion of demons out of the demoniac of Gadara. Violent and destructive winds seemed to come out of nowhere. Did you ever have that happen in your life? Just out of, out of the blue, something happens. It says, and there arose, and this phrase in the Greek, we said, is used over 200 times in the New Testament, and its primary meaning is well documented. This word, genomai, normally describes something that happens unexpectedly, or something that catches one off guard. He goes on to say that when Jesus was on the edge of a breakthrough, when Jesus was on the brink of a major miracle, this unexpected attack of violent and destructive turbulence came down upon them to kill and destroy. The devil did not want Jesus to arrive at the country of the Gadarenes. This was a preemptive strike of the devil to undo the work of God. Therefore, we must mentally and spiritually prepare ourselves to deal with demonic attacks. We must put on the whole armor of God and take authority over the wind and the waves that come against our lives, our families, our businesses, our bodies, just like Jesus took authority over the winds and waves that came against him. If you have come under such attack and, you're re and you really know that you've been diligent to cover all of your bases by heeding the pleading of the Holy Spirit in all the areas of your life and to the best of your knowledge you've left no doors open for attack, then you, like the Lord Jesus, must rise to take authority over the wind and the waves. This is your golden opportunity to see a demonstration of God's power in your life. Most battles are fought because... Believers were unfaithful to heed the Holy Spirit's warnings to deal with some area of his or her life before it got out of control. Real spiritual warfare is a mental condition and a lifelong commitment. It's not so much an action as it is a determined and committed attitude of the mind. Amen? Now I want to go on tonight and talk a little bit about spiritual warfare and three specific words. I, I mentioned one here when I read in Ephesians 6, the wiles or the schemings of the devil, the devices of the devil, and how the devil deceives people. He says, the mind is the strategic center where spiritual warfare with the God of this world takes place. Where? Right here. The enemy knows the importance of the mind. He knows that your mind is the key to controlling your life. He knows that if he can take control of one small area of your mind, that he can begin to expand outward into other weak areas that need to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. You know you can have your mind renewed to healing, but not have your mind renewed to finances. You can have your mind renewed to prosperity and the blessings of God, but not have your mind renewed to other areas. See, we've got to work on it all the time. He says, by poisoning your mind with unbelief and lying strongholds, the devil can manipulate your mind, your emotions, and your body. Moreover, he can use you to pour the same kind of unbelief and lying strongholds into the minds of others around you. There's no doubt about it. The mind is the strategic center for spiritual warfare. By nature, the condition of the mind is hostile toward God and is bent on destruction. We were all born with an innately rebellious mind and a rebellious nature that was against God. That's why Romans 8, 7 says the carnal mind is enmity against God. Colossians 1:21 states that prior to our salvation experience, we were alienated and enemies in our minds by our wicked works. 
Ephesians 4.17 says, Unbelievers walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. 2 Corinthians 4.4, The God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. And in Romans 1.28, Scripture teaches that the natural mind is so completely contrary to God that it can become reprobate. Hence, we were initially born into this world with a nature that was bent towards self-annihilation was fully capable of developing strongholds by itself. The natural mind is contrary toward God and has always sought to fulfill itself in the destructive lusts of the flesh. This is why Paul said, Among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. Now he says this, If we do not seek to renew our minds, our wills, and emotions to the truth of God's Word. Did you hear that? Your mind, your will, and your what? Emotions. Too many Christians are led by their emotions. Amen? If you don't renew these to the truth of God's Word, then the illusion of bondage will continue to dominate our lives. Most often it is through These unrenewed areas of thinking that the devil continues to exert his foul influence upon our lives. He knows that if your mind is renewed to the truth, he cannot wage successful warfare against you or your family. This is the reason the New Testament epistles earnestly plead with us to give serious attention to the condition of our minds. We're commanded to renew our minds to the truth of God's Word. These scriptures command us. Romans 12:2 to be transformed by the renewing of your mind Ephesians 4:23 be renewed in the spirit of your mind Ephesians 4:24 to put on the new man to put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him Colossians 3:16 to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly 1 Peter 1:13 says wherefore gird up the loins of your mind that's interesting especially notice Peter's admonition to gird up the loins of your mind the picture that Peter puts before us is that of a runner whose garments have fallen down and have become entangled about his legs he was running a good race and his stride was picking up when this encumbrance of dangling loosely hanging clothing hinders his steps that's happened to me before did you ever have your pants drop down? Just ask my kids, you know. <laughs> Likewise, we must gird up the loins of our minds. Seek to renew our thinking with the Word of God. This consistent renewal of the Word will eradicate wrong thinking, wrong believing, scars from the past, and hurtful emotional memories that would exert their influence on our new life. It is these loose, dangling uncommitted and unrenewed areas of the mind that the devil uses to wage warfare against us. This renewal of the mind does not add to the already completed work of Jesus Christ. It simply puts us in a mental state of being that will enable us to better use our faith and to enjoy the benefits of the redemptive work of Jesus that He accomplished for us. Take heed to deliberately allow wrong thinking and wrong believing to continue will impair your ability to to enjoy your redemption. This is equivalent to a runner who's 
deliberately allows his garment to hang down where it will get caught in his legs, though he's still in the race, he certainly not, will not win the victory. He'll not experience much joy in running his race. Therefore, Peter admonishes us to gird up the loins of our minds. We must tighten up those areas that the devil would try to grab hold of and use against us. This is the reason I stress that spiritual warfare is a lifelong commitment, not just a gust of re- emotion to frighten the devil away in a few moments of time. Real spiritual warfare will take much longer that, than that. In addition to taking authority over demonic powers, real spiritual warfare also entails, also entails taking authority over your mind. How many of you know the scripture? Casting down vain imaginations. And everything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every, every, every thought to the obedience of Christ. You know, I pray in tongues a lot. I was here this morning praying, and my mind's going. Have you ever prayed in the Spirit, and your mind's just way out here, like you're bouncing off a wall, and I just say, shut up! That's just what I said. In Jesus' name, I get loud. I speak to my mind. Is it just me? No. So, you know... That's important. Renewing of the mind, meditating on the Word of God until it gets into your heart and soul, learning to live a holy life, seeking to be conformed to the image of Christ on a day-to-day basis, and learning how to walk after the Spirit. All of these are essential elements of genuine spiritual warfare. Real spiritual warfare requires a life of commitment, purity, and consecration. Any view of spiritual warfare that fails to include these is lopsided and fails to meet the mark. Now, he goes on to say, and this is where he gets in, and this is interesting. And I've had this book and it's fallen apart. I think he wrote it in the early 90s. But the man is brilliant. He understands the Greek. He says, why do we need the armor? And you'll find the list of armor in Ephesians chapter 6. What are we supposed to stand against in this conflict? Paul tells us, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Say wiles. What are the wiles of the devil? The word wiles is one of the three key words which you must know and understand when discussing the subject of spiritual warfare. These three key words are wiles, devices, and deception. Wiles devices, and deception. It is impossible to have a correct and balanced view of spiritual warfare without having an understanding of these three foundational words. People get off on spiritual warfare, especially in the early days and when I was young in the Lord. I mean, people just got weird. Spiritual warfare is dealing with your mind. Yeah, there's warfare out there, but concentrate on renewing your mind. Amen? He says, the word wiles is taken from the Greek word methodos. It is a compound of the words meta and odos, pronounced hodos. The word meta is a preposition which simply means with. The word odos is the Greek word for a road. By compounding these two words into one, they form the word methodos. Literally translated, the Greek word methodos means with a road. Say with a road. It's from this word that we derive the word method. But the English word method is not really strong enough to convey the full meaning of this Greek word for wiles. The word methodos was carefully selected by the Holy Spirit because it tells us exactly how the devil operates and it tells us exactly how he comes to attack and assault a believer's mind. 
the word wiles, W-I-L-E-S, is often translated to carry the idea of something that is cunning, crafty, subtle, or full of trickery. That sounds like the devil. However, in its most literal sense, the word methodos means with a road. So the most basic translation of the word wiles is simply with the road. By electing to use this word, Paul tells us how the devil puts his cunning, crafty, subtle, tricky deception to work. The word wiles plainly tells us that the devil operates with a road. Say, on a road. He says, what's this mean? Contrary to the common belief of most people, this means that the devil does not have as many tricks in his bag as he would have had you to believe. The word wiles plainly means the enemy travels on one road. That's interesting. He travels on one lane. He travels on one avenue. In other words, he primarily has only one trick in his bag, and he obviously has learned how to use that one trick very well. What is that one trick the devil uses against people? Or perhaps we should more correctly ask, if the devil operates on one single avenue of travel, where is this diabolical road headed towards? These questions lead us to the second important word to understand when discussing spiritual warfare, and the word is devices. In 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul gives us a clue as to where this road the devil is traveling on is headed. He says, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Say Satan's devices. The word devices is taken from the word no, noamata, which is tra- derived from the Greek word nos, pronounced nos. This is, I'm not a Greek scholar, as you can tell. I don't feel so bad because Keys was up here one day fumbling around. He couldn't do it either. The word nous is the, I'm going to use, say nous, is the Greek word for the mind or the intellect. However, the form pneumata is used by Paul in 2 Corinthians 2.11 carries out the idea of a deceived mind. Specifically, this word denotes the insidious and malevolent plot of Satan to fill the human mind with confusion. The word devices actually depicts the insidious plots and wicked schemes of Satan to attack and victimize the human mind. One expositor expositor has even stated that the word devices bears the notion, and this is what I like, of mind games. Say mind games. We've used that before. We all have. With this idea of mind games in mind, you could translate the verse. We're not ignorant of the mind games. Satan tries to pull on us. Because Paul used this word devices to describe attacks which he himself had resisted, we know that even Paul had to deal with mental assaults of the adversary from time to time. Even Paul knew about the mind games which the devil tries to pull on people. You know, I, you can do it this way. I sat next to somebody today at a meeting. And, and you know me, I can talk to anybody. And... So I tried to make conversation with this woman. I mean, she was a beautiful woman and a businesswoman and the whole thing. We're not recording this, are we? Ah, <laughs> uh, what the heck. You know, and, and I left, and I was Kathy here, and she was there, and she just, in the final, I just gave up trying to talk to her. Have you ever done that? If you had a client, you just cut your hair, and they just, it's hard to talk to them. So I just, I just gave up. And for me to give up and admit defeat, <laughs> and uh, I left that meeting and I told her, I says, gosh, I said, you know, there must be 
something wrong with her or what. You know, you know how your mind goes? You know, sometimes people look at you wrong and you'll think, what do I do? What do I do? Right? Yeah. So you start these, these weird things in your head trying to figure out. But you know what? I come to the conclusion why most times people are like that. They're just insecure. Bottom line. We've all been there. They're insecure. So we shouldn't judge them. Right? But we do, don't we? <laughs> we shouldn't. Okay. What was that? Uh, progress. She didn't want to be in my commercial. i got to tell you one that's funny. We're recording this, but well, uh, he won't listen to it. <laughs> I went to the... The college baseball. We first of all, I've told you my the kids took took us to oh, what's the name of that restaurant? Aroma. How many? Some of you in there? And the doctor that had he's a really nice guy came over and and it was good. I I actually liked it. How many wouldn't wouldn't even eat Indian food? Try it. You've tried it. You told me it was good and it was. So I did this. We went to the baseball game. Talk about playing mind games. And and uh, sitting there, and had good seats, and in walks this Indian, and I, I had great shirt on, so I knew right away he was a doctor, and his wife, and their kids, and the whole thing, and he sat right down next to me, didn't even acknowledge me, didn't talk to me, nothing. So I said, get on the phone, or I, I texted Caleb, or you I said, text Caleb and tell him that I'm sitting next to an Indian doctor. And my first question was, have you tried that new aroma? restaurant in Norfolk, Nebraska. It's great. Well, he didn't believe, you know. I wanted him to think it was another progressive commercial, but I won't even tell you his reply. It's not even worth repeating. He says, like Paul, we must make a mental decision to take charge of our minds, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We must, now this is good. If you don't get anything tonight, get this. We must stop listening to ourselves and start speaking to ourselves. We must stop listening to ourselves and start speaking to ourselves. The devil always tries to manipulate our emotions and senses in order to pull a mind game on us. Therefore, we must speak to our emotions and senses and we must dictate to them and tell them what they are to believe. The man on the inside takes charge. By considering the words wiles and devices, we have now seen two vitally important things which we must know about the devil's strategy to attack, to attack and victimize the human mind. First, the word wiles explicitly tells us the devil travels with a road or on a road. This road which the devil's traveling on is obviously headed somewhere. Where is that road headed? The word devices clearly demonstrates that this road of the devil is headed toward the mind. Whoever controls the mind, listen, also controls that person's health and emotions. Whoever controls the mind also controls that person's health and emotions. The enemy knows this. Therefore, he seeks to penetrate our intellect, our mental control center, so that he may flood it with deception and falsehood. Once this is accomplished, then from this position of control, the devil can begin to manipulate that person's body and emotions. 
When this penetration into the mind is accomplished, and once the adversary is paved a road into that person's mind and emotions, the process of mental and spiritual ca captivity is well underway. See, this is a process, folks. It just doesn't happen like that. If this devilish process is not aborted by the power of God and by the renewing of the mind, it is only a matter of time before a solid stronghold of deception will begin to dominate and manipulate that person's self-image, emotional status, and his overall thinking. This leads to the third word which we must understand when discussing spiritual warfare, and that word is deception. Matthew 24, he gives the list. In these last days, take heed, number one, that you're not deceived. So, there's a lot going on in the world right now trying to deceive us. Aliens are going to land. You laugh. You can laugh. I don't believe in aliens. I believe in demons. Principalities and powers and rulers of darkness... <laughs> but Satan has an agenda and he's working with our government whether you realize it or not and they're setting this whole thing up in these last days what do you think it's the, you know, the great deception is going to be well, I think a lot of it's going to deal with Aliens coming down and appearing. They're not aliens. They're, they're, they're demons. Not necessarily demons. They're hybrids. I could get off on a whole... I find this fascinating, and they get mad at me because I'm watching this, but I'm telling you, it's my job as a shepherd. You better know what's going on. Watch out for E.T. That's, that's another one. I can get off on that one, too. That's demonic. They come out of another dimension. That's why you can never find them. Oklahoma? Well, what's wrong with Oklahoma? <laughs> I know why you said they're already there. Okay, well, listen. We should not be ignorant of Satan's devices. Anything that will distract us, amen, from Jesus, you know, and do you know how many people out there that believe a lot of this stuff? And they don't realize it's from the dark side. He goes on to say, Deception occurs when a person believes the lies that the enemy has been telling him. The moment you begin to believe the lie that the devil has been telling you is the very moment when those wicked thoughts and mind games begin to produce reality in your life. Now, I'm gonna, this, he gives some good examples. The devil may assault your mind by repeatedly telling you that you're a failure. However, as long as you resist those allegations, they will exert absolutely no power in your life. When we were going to, I was going to school, and we lived down in, or in Oklahoma with Bigfoot. There was, a, there was a guy named, you know what they named him? Never fail. Now, I don't know. That, was that his whole name? Never fail. Can you imagine if your last name's fail? You name your son never. And you know what? He was successful. Super successful. Never fail. So he grew up with that kind of... See? So it gives you an idea what you should name your kids. 
other than Bob or Bill or Ron, you know, whatever. <laughs> Elmer, like my dad. The devil may assault your mind by repeatedly telling you that you're a failure. However, as long as you resist those allegations, they will exert absolutely no power in your life. If, on the other hand, you begin to give credence to these lies and mentally perceive them as though they are really the truth, those lies will begin to dictate to you and will dominate your emotions and your thinking. In the end, your faith in that lie will give power to it and will cause it to become a bona fide reality in your life and you become a failure. This is completed deception. See, my grandfather, um, he, he was an alcoholic, but he, he died at 65. My father died of cancer at, what was he, 63, 62 or 3. So in the back of my mind, I know, don't, don't look at me like that. But in the back of my mind, growing up, even when I was young, I had a thought, I've got to make it past 65. Well, I'll be 66. I made it. Now, I'm going to keep going. I will not live the rest of my life at my age with a dog as a grandchild. Hint, hint. And get married soon, too. I'm che- I talk to that dog like it's a kid. It's, it's strange, but it is. That's right. Got one down the street, too. He says, um, many marriages fail because of allegations that the enemy tries to pound into the mind. As long as those allegations are repelled, they exert no power in that marriage. However, when a spouse pays attention to those lies and begins to dwell on them, they have taken the first fatal step toward deception. For instance, though their marriage is in tip-top shape, a spouse may begin to have unjustified questions and suspicions about their marriage. This is clearly the work of the enemy, deteriorate one's confidence in his or her marriage. I'll never forget when we were young. I was working at ORU Aerobic Center, and, and you were teaching there. And you, of course, you'd been to school there, so you knew everybody. And all that she was hugging this guy. Piss me off. Remember that, Robbie? Robbie, you were going Robbie, Robbie. <laughs> but I went to Rama, so I had to be Christ-like. I'll tell you what Rhema students thought of ORU students and what ORU students thought of Rhema students back then. <laughs> of course, we all know, don't we, Caden, that the Rhema students were more spiritual. Yes, they played in the College World Series, yes. He says, at first the husband or wife, abs- I'm almost done, absolutely knows that this is an outright lie of the devil. Indeed, their marriage has never been better, yet the enemy continues to pound away at his, his or her mind. Your spouse isn't pleased with you. I got that all the time. No, I'm just kidding. Your marriage is in trouble. This relationship can never last. It's too good to be true. So listen, you young married ones here. By listening to those insinuations and giving credence to them, this dear Christian sadly opens the door for the devil to continue pounding away at the mind to prey on his or her emotions. After a period of time, if the mind battered and weary from worrying, worrying, a mind can get that way, can it? I know none of you have ever experienced any of this. Just me. 
begins to believe, you begin to believe these lying allegations, their belief in those lying emotions and suspicions may empower them to become a reality. By mentally embracing such lying emotions, the believer opens a door for the enemy to penetrate his or her mind, and thus the process of confusion is implemented. What's going on right now with this gender crisis? Is that confusion? Lying lies of the enemy? Sure. Mind games are set in motion and that believer's perception of things becomes twisted and bent. If the seducing, deceiving process is not stopped at this point, it is probably only a matter of time before this weary-minded believer begins to embrace these mental lies as though they are really the truth. What's the end result of all this? By falsely believing that his or her marriage is a failure, by falsely believing that his or her marriage is on the rocks, by falsely believing that they will die of terminal disease, by falsely believing they have no future, this believer opens the door for the devil to take these suggestions and move them from the thought realm into the natural realm where they become bona fide reality. Their false perception empowered the lie. The devil uses that false belief to create. Perhaps the enemy has constantly bombarded your mind about sickness. Perhaps his lying allegations have repeatedly told you that you're going to contract a terrible disease and die an early death. When these lies first assaulted your mind, you resisted them, refused to believe what you were hearing. Now, however, you've begun to wonder if these thoughts may have some validity. If this process is not stopped, it will be only be a matter of time till you truly begin to feel physically sick in your body. Do not give credence to these lying insinuations. When you embrace those mind games and perceive them as truth, you give power to them. Let me say that again. When you embrace those mind games and perceive them as truth, you give power to them. Thus, if you do not speak to yourself, thus, if you do not speak to yourself, and take charge of your mind. The complete process of deception will continue working in your life till finally the process is complete and your fears become reality. When this occurs, you are deceived. So these three things, the wiles, the devices, the deception of the devil, are extremely important for us to see and understand, especially when studying the subject of spiritual warfare. For review, the word wiles tells us that the devil operates with a road or on a road, primarily with one avenue of attack. Secondly, the word devices tells us where that avenue is headed. Where's it going? To the mind. Once that road is paved into the mind, the enemy begins to regularly travel in and out of one's minds and emotions to confuse and scramble the mind with wrong thinking, wrong believing, and false perceptions. In the third place, deception occurs when you embrace that lie the devil's telling you. This false perception which you've embraced will empower that lie to become a bona fide reality in your life. This is completed deception. So, you might be here tonight, and you, maybe you've had a thought. Listen, folks, we all have thoughts. How many thoughts do you think we have in a day? And, and if, if you're so moved by your circumstances and your feelings 
and and maybe your wife doesn't tell you what a great husband you are every day. I just use this as an example. You know, the enemy could start lying to you. I know we're laughing and it's funny, but do you see how he works? Satan can't read your mind. He can't read my mind, but he has little imps, demons that follow you and watch you and observe you. And most of the time we just open our mouth and most of the time we just do things without thinking. So we give them ammunition. And they begin to study. And it's interesting how, how I find this. I've watched it with Micah on, on some people that are interviewed. You can read people's body language. It's an interesting science. Well, the devil does that with you. He watches you. He listens to you. And so what he does, he tries to set you and I up. But we have to realize the devices of the enemy. And then we need to take authority over them in the name of Jesus. I told you this last week, but I want you to, and we'll close with this. Remember what the name devil in the Greek means? It means to throw something like a ball or a rock continually. Repetitive action of hitting something again. Have you ever had a thought, just repeat? Is it just me? Some, you're never going to do this. You're never going to have that. Da, 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 da. On and on and on. Until he finally has penetrated that membrane. That's where the devil got his name. That's his mode of operation. The devil is one who strikes repeatedly again and again and again until he finally breaks down one's mental resistance. When this mental resistance has been broken down, then he strikes with all of his fury to penetrate the mind and to take that person's mind and emotions captive. This is how the enemy works. He repeatedly hits you with lies, suggestions, accusations, allegations. One slanderous assault after another and another and another. He tries to wear you down and he takes you captive in one of your weaker moments. He tries to pave a road into your mind and then confuse your emotions with mind games and then deceives you to the point that you actually begin to believe his lies and his threats. And thus your false perception empowers his lies to become a reality in your life. Hence, the reason you must clothe yourself with the whole panoply, panoply, the loin belt, breastplate, shoes, greaves, shield, helmet, sword, and lance that comes from God for the sole purpose that you may have explosive, dynamic power to stand proud and upright, face to face, eyeball to eyeball, against the roads that the slander would try to pave into your mind. So, with all that's going on right now in the world... Amen. I don't even listen to the news anymore, to be honest. Very, I'll look at you know, headlines and, and things, but I, I haven't really been listening to either, to be honest with you, any other prophets right now. I'm trying to hear the Holy Spirit. That's priority. There's, now, don't say that I don't listen to the prophet. Of course I do. You know, I, I believe in the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, but there comes a point where you've you got to get, get a hold of God yourself. You can't always live on the coat strings of somebody else. You've got to get a hold of revelation. But she had a revelation standing by the river, you know. 
how, how that, that bird was so still so it wouldn't be taken captive, see, and eaten. <laughs> Let's stand up tonight. After all that, I think we need to pray for our minds. How many honestly would say you've sensed spiritual warfare in your mind? So it's not just me? Oh, good. (laughs) But we should be at the point in our life where we're mature enough to deal with it. Amen? I want to read a prayer, and we're going to pray. I'll pray this. I'm going to pray it over you corporately. You can pray in the Spirit as I read this. And I found this, and I've got all kinds of prayer books, and it's, it's about your thought life and renewing the mind. So when I read these prayers, it's, it's for you. It's for your family. It's for this church corporately in the name of Jesus. So get behind what I'm saying because it's the Scripture. Father, tonight... In the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you, Lord God, that every member of Harvest Church in the days ahead will prosper, be in health, even as their soul prospers. I declare and decree they have the mind of Christ the Messiah. They do not hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes, and do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of His heart. I thank you, Lord, every member of Harvest Church in this hour trusts in you with all of their heart, and they lean not to their own understanding, but in all their ways they acknowledge You, and You'll direct their paths. Father, today I thank You every member of Harvest Church Daily submits themselves to Your Word, which exposes and sifts and analyzes and judges the very thoughts and purposes of our heart. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Lord, I thank you every member of Harvest Church takes the initiative daily to refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself against the true knowledge of God. And that, Lord, every member leads every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Lord God, I thank you today every member shall be transformed. Every family member of Harvest Church shall be transformed by renewing of their mind that they might prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God the Father. Your word, Father, shall not depart out of their mouth, but, Lord, each person shall meditate on it day and night and shall observe to do according to all that is written therein, and then you'll make their way prosperous, and then every member of Harvest Church will experience great success. Lord, I thank You. Our thoughts are the thoughts of the diligence which only leads to plenteousness. Therefore, I thank You. We will not fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, we continue to make our wants known to You, Father. And Your supernatural peace will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Father, I thank You. I declare and decree every member of Harvest Church in this hour and every day in the days ahead will fix their minds on whatever is true, worthy of reverence, what is honorable and seemly and pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind, winsome and gracious, if there's any virtue, any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, I thank You, Lord, they will think on and weigh and take account of these things. Lord, I thank You, every member of Harvest Church rolls all their works upon You, and they commit and trust You wholly, Father, and You will cause their thoughts to become agreeable. I like that. 
You will cause the thoughts of every member of Harvest Church to become agreeable to your will. So shall their plans be established and they succeed. In the name of Jesus Christ, I take authority over, Lord God, the minds and the thoughts, Lord God, that are contrary to the Word of God. And I thank you. Every member daily exerts their own personal authority in their thought life in Jesus' name. Even though they walk in the flesh, they'll not carry on warfare according to the flesh using mere human weapons. For the weapons of their warfare are not physical, but they're mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. I refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself against the true knowledge of God. And we lead every thought and purpose away captive to the obedience of Christ. Lord, I thank you with our souls. We will bless the Lord with every thought and purpose in our life. Our minds will not wander out of the presence of God. Our life shall glorify the Father, spirit, soul, and body. We take no account of evil done to us. We pay no attention to a suffered wrong. It holds no place in our thought life. We're ever ready to believe the best of every person. We gird up the loins of our mouth and we set our mind and keep it set on what is above, the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. Whatever is true, what is worthy of reverence, is honorable, seemly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind, winsome and gracious. If there's any virtue and excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, we will think on these things. We will fix our mind daily on these things. The carnal mind is no longer operative, for we have the mind of Christ. And I declare every member of Harvest Church has the mind of Christ. And we do not hold the thoughts, feeling, and we do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of His heart daily. In the name of Jesus, we will practice what we've learned and received and heard and seen in Christ Jesus and model our way of living on it. And the God of peace, of untroubled, undisturbed well-being will be with us in the name of Jesus. I take my authority in the name of Jesus Christ. I bind the enemy that would come against the people of Harvest Church. Lying accusations. We bind in the name of Jesus. And I thank You, Lord, for Your supernatural peace to guard every member's mind, will, and emotions. I say, no weapon formed against them shall prosper in the name of Jesus. I thank You, Lord, our spiritual eyes are open to the strategies and the tactics of the enemy in this hour, and we will not yield to the lies of the devil, but we will resist him, and he must flee in Jesus' name. So, Lord, we overcome tonight by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, and we give You the praise, Lord Jesus, for all that You've done, all that You're doing now in this hour, and what You're going to do in the days ahead. Lying spirits, deceiving, seducing spirits are bound in Jesus' name. We know the truth, and the truth shall set us free. We hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, and the voice of a stranger we will not follow. So we're blessed coming in, and we're blessed going out this night in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So what are you going to do the rest of the week? Thank you. Renew your mind. Let's do that. Amen? Anything else? Next Wednesday, we're going to have a work night. 
and we'll have everything organized and, and lined up. It shouldn't take but an hour. You know, if you come earlier, that's fine too, and, and uh, we'll get everything done. We usually do this once a year, and uh, it just helps kind of get us over the hump. Amen? Anything else? See you Sunday morning. God bless you.